coffee. Must have coffee. Let's go ahead and open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather once again uh, via the Zoom meeting app to have, be about the study of your word, Lord. Now we ask your blessing on our time. Send your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we get it all and we get it right. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And there's somebody that looks a little familiar. Anybody recognize that guy? Good morning, gentlemen. The guy who drives. He drives, yes. He drives. He drives and talks. He drives and talks. Good morning, Pastor. How are you? I'm fine. We're just getting started here. Great. As you all know, I say this every week, uh, we're studying Pastor Wolf Miller's book, Has American Christianity Failed? And it is available on Amazon and at CPH for your reading pleasure. And our verse that we're going to start out with today, our verse, kind of theme verse is, Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Psalm 50, 15, I think. Maybe it's 51, something. Hopefully it's 50, 15. We're all nervous. Well, I gotta get that right. Psalm <laughs> well, you know, I often have typos, so who knows? It is the that's like the uh, Martin Luther's fa- favorite verse on prayer. Whenever Luther talks about prayer, uh, that's the verse that he quotes, and it's amazing because that's, you know, Luther probably had the whole Psalter memorized, and so there's so many great verses on prayer, but that's the one that he always comes back to. It's fantastic. Now, when I was setting this meeting up for today, I asked you all to come up with any questions you might have for Pastor Wolfmiller about prayer before we dive into prayer. But we're at the part of the book where it talks about the four things we need to know first about prayer. So is there anything, any questions about prayer that you all just have that um, I know, Steve Bolks, you had a question last week. You want to go ahead and ask that question? Sure. Uh, To make it briefly, uh, uh, Pastor Wolfmiller, I've got a daughter that's got a immune defect, and she's scheduled for a bone marrow transplant. Actually, at the NIH, Dr. Fauci, that we see on television all the time, works on the case and stuff, so I know him. Anyway, they've put it on hold because they've got to get this virus thing figured out, plus I don't want her in that hospital now anyway at this moment. So, you know, and they say, you know, I pray that she could heal her on her own, all that kind of stuff, but they say, well, it's got to be done. And, and I, we, I brought up one day, that, and I had that with my parents too, where they said, you need to do it now or else, you know, you're not going to make it. And yet you want to pray and wait for God to answer. What do you do in a situation like that where they give you a deadline, but you don't have an answer by the time there's a deadline? Wow. That, so that's, there's a, there's um. so I'm sorry by the way. There's nothing worse than, than the suffering of our children. So, it, I mean, it reminds me of how it went with when Mary brought Jesus into the temple and, and there was Simeon and he said, an arrow will pierce your own heart. So, so to sit there and to watch your daughter, is your daughter right? Is that? She, she's 32 and she was diagnosed at like 17 months. So this has been a lifelong battle. Boy, oh boy, I'm sorry. But I'll tell you what, it's, it's weird because when we go to the last five years at the NIH and we're pretty much there all summer while they watch around other children dying, because remember, these are the kids who traditional uh, techniques don't work. So they're all on experimental drugs. But some of those kids, 16 years old, well, you know, I may have to go see my savior pretty soon. You know, it's yeah, just incredible. That's right. Unbelievable that's, children. 
Oh, so. God, God be praised for that. Yeah. That there's, um, I think the best for, so the, maybe the best that uh, I could suggest just theologically on this is that, um, the Christian life is the Bible gives us the truth that the Christian life is a, is waiting. So we're always waiting on the Lord. So whoever waits on the Lord will renew their strength. And so I think the most often I, I would imagine that, I mean, that, that we're always in the gap between our prayers and the Lord answering our prayers. And, and it's just kind of, once you think about it, you realize, oh yeah, because if the Lord had answered them, then we wouldn't be praying for him anymore. So, so it's like, it, in some ways it's like my kids when I say, okay, uh, it's time to stop playing your video game and come to dinner. And they say, but I'm right in the middle of it. Well, it's like, well, of course you're in the middle of it. Cause if you were at the end of it, you would have started over. So every time you're in the middle of it, but this is how our Christian life is, is every time we're waiting for the Lord to answer our prayers. And so we're waiting, 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 waiting. And I suppose when the deadlines come, then, then that's especially when we lean on this prayer, this promise from James chapter one, where the Lord says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let them ask and the Lord will give freely. So Great. we depend on his wisdom, but it's, I, it's just sometimes it's just really there's no answer to these things. I'm, so, well, I mean, I I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, God's that. ways are you know above us, and I understand that. And I didn't expect an answer like, okay, this is what you need to say. It's not mm -hmm. like when they went to the Lord and said, "How do you want us to pray?" I didn't expect that answer from you, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind if you had an answer like that. But that's <laughs> we just we have to we have to. Jesus is training us to be good at waiting. Now, I know faith is key to everything, you know, and then I feel like I betrayed, well, then I'm not having faith because, you know, he knows there was a deadline too. So it's not like it's a surprise to anybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. That sounds good. Well, part of what we do here when we're studying pastor, uh, well, first of all, let me say, does anybody else have a, just a question on prayer? View? Did something occur to you this last week that you thought you might want to have an opportunity to ask Pastor Wolfmiller? We always, uh, last week we talked about Elijah uh, wrestling with the Lord all night. Now, I always thought that also meant that uh, Elijah was talking to the Lord or praying to the Lord. Is uh, sometimes we as people, if there is a diversity, we might be praying a long time. Is that wrestling with the Lord? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found, um, I was, I, I can't remember, I was reading some, one of the old church fathers and I, and this phrase came up, uh, watchings, watchings. And I started tracking that down and it comes up through the, in the Psalms a lot and in the Bible as well, that there's a, there's a spiritual discipline of watching, which is, which basically means staying up through the night to pray. It's like a fasting from sleep. Mm. And, um, sometimes we choose to do that. Most of the time, that's chosen for us, right? Uh, and so you're laying in bed at night and you can't pray and you can't go to sleep. And so what do you do? You pray and the Lord will bring things to mind for you to pray for. Or oftentimes, I mean, how often does it happen that we wake up in the middle of the night and something's on our mind? It's what the old, what the old, old folks, what your guys' grandparents called the witching hour. Yeah. Do you remember that? The witching yeah. hour? That's yeah. right. The witching, but we should think of it the other way. It's the 
it's it's there's an hour of spiritual warfare oftentimes in the middle of the night and so that's the that's that spiritual discipline of watching which is a it's a mystery but the lord will sometimes rally the troops so like Ephesians 6, our spiritual warfare is exercised in prayer. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times. Mm. And so, so we take up the, the Lord's Word and we do spiritual warfare in our prayers. And oftentimes the Lord will just muster us to that work right from our sleep. We're, <laughs> we're awake and in battle. So no, that's, a, that's a fine point. So that's a good point, actually. I love that point because if we're having trouble sleeping, what should we do, right? We shouldn't necessarily... Um, go get NyQuil or something. Go get NyQuil, yeah, exactly, or something like that. We should probably take it as, a, as an opportunity to pray without maybe without going down the path of thinking that every dream is an attack or something like that. It's just God placing something on us that we are troubled by and we need to pray for, right? I, I was, my, first, my first move is psalm 4 back to bed <laughs> uh, i will lay down and sleep in peace for you alone O oh lord make me dwell in safety in other words that's, that's probably not faithful but that's what i do i gotta get back to bed but or then we, if if that doesn't pray work then yeah that's it that's it but then after that if that doesn't work then it's like okay let's pay attention to i've often work. thought about that because he says now go to bed and content or whatever i forget exactly how he says it but you know and now that you've prayed this prayer go to sleep mm -hmm. like sometimes that doesn't work immediately go to bed immediately immediately don't in give the words, room don't take a risk that you're gonna ask for forgiveness and then sin and then go to bed it's okay. like no forgiveness and then whoosh as okay. quick to bed as possible okay. so you probably remember um this portion of the book um, that we're going to go through right now is on the four, um, the four uh, things we should consider. Uh, the four things we need to know first about prayer. Can anybody other than Pastor Wolf Miller think of what the four things we need to consider before prayer or about prayer are? If not, I will tell them to you like I usually do. When you think about prayer, are there any things that come to mind? How nice that God lets us come to Him in prayer. It's, uh... Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's a that's a blessing and a gift we have for sure. Well, I'll go through the list then. The first thing is that prayer is commanded by God. He and we're going to talk about all these in more detail. And the second thing is that prayer comes with wonderful promises from God. And the third thing is we pray because we have a great need, as we were just talking about, where whether it's uh, you with Amy, Steve, or me with Matthew, or um, just anybody, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and something's on your mind, uh, you have a great need of some kind. Um, and then Jesus teaches us the words to pray, which we all know where that's going to go, right? So, Pastor Opener, you can feel free to jump in at any time because this is uh, your book. But again, um, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Now, that, that applies just a little bit today, doesn't it? Yeah. Here we are in days of trouble, and we should uh, – I'm all for kneeling for prayer. I don't know how you all feel about that. I think that maybe there should be some postures 
of prayer that aren't necessarily legalistic, but they're certainly beneficial. What do y'all think about that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this, did you know that prayer is commanded in the second commandment? The second commandment tells us you shall not take the name of the Lord God, your God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. In what way is that a command to pray? Pastor Wolfmiller knows the answer. Any thoughts? I mean, he's giving us a, a thou shalt not, right? You shall not. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But how is that a commandment to pray? Well, if y'all don't want to discuss it, we'll let Pastor Wolfmiller tell us um, because he's basically telling us to pray rightly. You want to share something about that, Pastor? Sure. I just got to imagine this. If I give if I give my the keys to the my car to my daughter and I say don't use don't use it in vain, what I'm telling her to do is to use it rightly. I'm not saying I want her to just hold on to my keys. I'm saying that I want her to take the car and I want her to use it, drive it. I just want her to be careful. So when the Lord says don't use my name in vain, He's saying here's my name. I want you to use it. Just don't use it wrongly. And so how do we use the Lord's name rightly is through prayer. So Luther teaches us this. Remember, we should fear and love God so we don't curse, use satanic arts. We don't curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. So that the right use of God's name is to call upon it, is to pray. So, that's, so, so when the Lord says, don't misuse my name, he's saying, use my name in the right way. In other words, pray all the time, pray. And then, and here's a mystery. I, I, this is absolutely stunning to me. Um, because normally, you know, we're Lutheran. And so we think law and gospel, the command is always accusing us and putting us to death and killing us. It's the gospel that gives us great comfort. And that's true. But there's a way that the law also comforts us. Or and maybe to say it like this, like the law of God gives us boldness. And the way it works like this is that, uh, so, so the, the picture is, uh, the, the illustration is um, Queen Esther. So remember the story of Queen Esther, that the king was going to kill all the Jews. And here's Esther, the queen. And they say to Esther, hey, you have to go in, into the king and beg that he won't kill all the Jews. And she says, you can't just go in to the king if you just, I haven't been invited. And if you go into the king's palace to ask him something before his throne and he hasn't invited you, then they kill you. They cut your head off right there. The only exception is the one that the king raises the golden staff to and points to. Then they can come and ask something. But if, if the king hasn't invited you into his presence, it's a, it's a deadly risk to actually go and stand before the king. And, but then they say to her, remember Mordecai, uh, not Mordecai. Yeah, Mordecai says, well, look, you're going to die anyways. And so she says, okay, fine. I'll go and I'll, I'll take the risk. And if I die, I die because I'm going to die anyway. So you can't, so now imagine, you can't just go stand before the king and ask him for whatever you want. You have to be invited to do that. Well, if that's how it is on earth, how much, how much more is it like that in heaven with our heavenly king? You can't just go and stand before God unless you're invited to stand before God. And so 
The second commandment, the Lord is telling us, hey, I'm inviting you. In fact, I'm not only inviting you, I'm commanding you to come into my presence and stand before me and ask me for what you need and I'll hear you and I'll deliver you and I'll give it to you. So that commandment to, to not take the Lord's name in vain, the command to pray gives us this great boldness to stand before the Lord and pray. Well, that's, that's great. Um, especially in these times, I would think, because um, do you think, I got a good, just a random question. Do you think that people pray more or less in times of crisis? I think our tendency is to think they pray more, but can they get so preoccupied with the crisis that they really pray less? My, my experience, and you guys can tell me if you think this is off, but my experience is that people pray a lot more in times of crisis. And so, and whenever people have trouble, they'll come to see me and I'll say, well, you know, the first thing to, is to pray. And they'll say, I've never prayed this much in my whole life. In fact, I saw, I was just watching like ABC news yesterday and it showed a bunch of doctors and nurses on the helipad of a hospital yes. kneeling and praying. And it's like, it's stuff you'd, you would never see normally. Um, you, 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 I, that kind of comes out in times of crisis is my, that's my experience. Well, that, that was kind of my experience too. I just was wondering if that's possible because sometimes people can get kind of distracted. Um, it's like, you're so busy. Like, I don't know, like when we were in the hospital with our son, I prayed a whole lot more than oh, I absolutely. ever prayed, but there were also times when I was just so preoccupied knowing that I shouldn't be, knowing that I should be trusting God and uh, all circumstances, but I was just so preoccupied. I'm like, oh, I haven't prayed in, you know, in a while, you know, or like in, whether it was an hour or whatever, because there was always something to do when you're, when you're in, like, especially when you're in bone marrow transplant for three, four weeks, you know, there's just nonstop prayer going on. So anyway, that was my well, question. When I'm at the NIH, you know, these doctors are the, most brilliant of the whole world but once in a while they'll they'll talk to me because i've been there for years they see me reading my bible and i've been thrown out of rooms by the doctors don't go in there you know leave these people alone. <laughs> that's okay but anyway it's interesting because they'll say because they know so much more than other people know about how the body works and they'll go well this god it's got to be god because this stuff is so because if this happens this could take care of it if this happens it's so complex you know it's it's got to be somebody in charge of all this stuff so you don't hear it often, but these guys are brilliant, so they probably keep them from going to God too often because they think that everything they did in life is their accomplishment. But once in a while, once in a while, the ones that have wisdom. Yeah, sure. That's true. Um, it is something, you know, times of disaster, it, or like that Psalm 50, call upon me in the day of trouble. So when we have trouble, it reminds us that we're not in charge. So that point that you just made was really good because – when we think that we've got things under control, then we think it's all about our own choices. But it's when we realize that we don't have control, that's when we realize, oh, I need, I need to confer with the person who's in charge here. <laughs> so I need, to, I need to pray. And it should, we should always think that. I, t I think we, I was, uh, I, there's a pastor yesterday, a couple of days ago, told me, he says, I think coronavirus is just reminding all of us that we're not in charge. <laughs> and that's... And that's right. We need to be, I mean, we never were in charge, but we thought we were. And so 
Yeah. So it's a good reminder. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to switch back to the slide and kind of progress through. We're getting so much good stuff here that I don't want to duplicate things, but um, th this kind of ties in with what we were just talking about. Prayer isn't an option uh, because it's commanded. It, you just can, can say it's not an option. As the, I think earlier, yes, last week or the week before, we said there was a, a line in the book that I just thought was great where it said, Christians pray. That's what Christians do. Um, there's some passages that uh, tie into that. One is Philippians 4, 6, where it says, let your requests be made known to God. And Pastor, maybe you could touch on that. Just when it says request, what's it, what's it talking about? If I remember right, I, uh, that's a, the official word for petition. I'll, I'll, I'll try to get it. It's one of these things that, um, you know, petition is a legal word. Like, so you sign a petition and it goes before right. someone who's in charge. So it's the sense of the, when you see that re word request or petition, it reminds us that we're standing before a throne. So there's a throne room and the one who sits on it, the king sits on the throne and we're coming before him to ask him, to beg him for something. So it's a petition. And, but then Paul goes on to say, that there's that right before that verse, this is really, I think this is an amazing verse. So right before that verse, he says, don't be anxious for anything, which is like impossible. Awesome. Don't be anxious for anything. But in everything, uh, let your requests be made known to God. Uh, with with thanksgiving so with uh be anxious for nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god and then afterwards the promise and the peace of god which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through jesus christ our lord so that's really interesting because of the the part that says with thanksgiving it's like let your pray to god but pray to him with thanksgiving Mm -hmm. So I think we talked, touched on this last week where, or I don't know, somewhere where I was in the past week, where we we're talking about you have to, you're thankful for things that happened in the past. It might've been mm -hmm. on your, your Bible study last, last week, Pastor, but uh, we're thankful for things that have passed and we're, well, what did we say? You're um, hopeful for the future. Hopeful for the future. Yeah. And I think it's good to keep that in mind. Um now let's go to the slide again. Um, another another passage is pray without ceasing. That one I've heard Pastor talk about a lot, where it's um, it's not that you can't do anything else during the day, right? Right. So we should be. Um, it just should be that that our. Uh, what? How did you say it one time? Something about Martin Luther said that. Oh, I'm losing it. But something about that it just should be your attitude should be to be in prayer all the time. But you this constant communion with the Lord as we meditate on his word and as we enter, um, the, there's, a, there's a line from St. Augustine and he says, whoever works for his neighbor prays twice. So our, we're, working, so we're, our, we're living our lives before God and towards our neighbor and it's a double prayer. Our whole lives become an offering in this way, which is great. The pray without ceasing probably has to do with the regular times for prayer, morning and evening meals. And there's this kind of rhythm of prayer that we settle into, which is. I think that's what I was thinking of right there. And that's hard for me, by the way. I mean, I, I, it's, 
I don't know. I'm trying to gauge. I can't see all you guys' faces, but you, um, there's a way that, you know, as you, as you get older, your life settles into a, 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 generally it settles into kind of a sturdier patterns and that's good. The younger you are, you're so flighty. So I'm still in a bit of the flighty stage. So kind of regular disciplined morning <laughs> prayer and evening prayer is tough. I've got to fight it. So oh, it, it's tough no matter what. It's, it, it's kind of like sometimes you've been so chaotic preparing the dinner that you sit down and just start eating. And like we did last night, actually, and we're sitting out on the patio having dinner. And I was going to ask my wife some questions about prayer to see, you know, where, uh, what she thought. And I thought, wait, I'm going to ask you about prayer, but we haven't said the blessing yet. <laughs> so it was a good reminder then, to stop. And then that Satan's one of Satan's best weapons is to keep us busy with our life. You know, they want their kids in piano lessons 24 hours a day, not ever giving them a chance to think, you know, because they're so afraid they'll be misled. And we don't even, you know, I get mad at myself that way too. You know, my first thoughts when I wake up in the morning, I got to do, no, I don't. I got to get on my knees. Thank God for another day. What have I got to do? You just got to do it. That's what I mean by a root. You just got to do it. Don't think so much. So, uh, of course, the Bible tells us when we pray. It's like, to me, that's like saying there's not an option. You, you, you don't, Christians don't have the option of not praying. Um, so it's more like when you pray and pray without ceasing and pray in times of trouble. And when aren't there times of trouble? I mean, they're good times, of course, but... Um, even if your trouble is just the fact that you have to drive down a road with construction on it, maybe. I don't know. I'm going to skip by the next part because Pastor already addressed King Ahasuerus. <laughs> and um, his other name was Tiglath Pilezar. <laughs> well, that's easier to pass. <laughs> the third. Pilezar, the third, okay. Uh, <laughs> related to Lumpy, probably. I found. Uh, oh, this is kind of a sidetrack, but oh, there was there was um. So years ago, I had found the name of some ancient uh, someone, and it was it was spelled B A G O P H A N I E S, and we were having this big debate, as if it should be pronounced Bagophanes or Bagophanes. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember oh. I wanted to name our we had a softball team and I wanted to name us the Hope Bag of Fannies. <laughs> but I couldn't find it. I as I, I I thought it was a biblical name. I thought it was one of the guys from uh Assyria who came to threaten them at the time of Isaiah. And I couldn't find it anywhere. I and I was looking on the internet, I was like, couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it where it was. Well, anyway, I finally found it again last night after about eight years of looking. And it turns out that it was in this old account of the, of the triumphal entry of Alexander the Great into Babylon. And the, and, the, and the treasurer of the city of Babylon was named Bagophanes. So, <laughs> and, he's, and he's mentioned by this ancient writer or oh. something like that. Well, you should, just, you should just make sure that every treasurer you have at your church is his name, Bag of Fannies. Then. Bag of <laughs> Sorry. That would be, be his handle on YouTube or, or Facebook or whatever. That's definitely a sidetrack. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's let's um, see if we can move on to the second point. Um, 
here because um, we're going to talk about Esther, but we won't do that. So the next part is about promises. What does God promise to do regarding our prayers? What does he promise to do? He answers them. He answers them, right. In order to answer them, what does he have to do? He has to hear them. I mean, he answers them three ways. Yes, no, or maybe. Yes, no, or maybe. I always like that. Um, go ahead. So, again, we had that Psalm 50, uh, verse 15, call upon me in day of troubles and I will deliver you. So he's, he's asking us to call on him, which means he wants to hear from us, which means he does hear us and he does answer because he says, I will deliver you. Now, what that deliverance looks like, that's, that's the yes, no, and maybe probably. We don't know. Um, in, in Psalm 50, Pastor, what, was it, what exactly was the psalmist speaking about in terms of delivery, being delivered there? I don't remember. I'll look. Okay. Uh, um, the interesting thing, so we often say yes, no, maybe. I prefer to say uh, yes, no, and wait. And not yet, yeah. Same thing, yeah. Yes, no, and wait. And that's, and the most of the time is we're dealing with that wait. Which is like a maybe, but it's, it's, it's just a not yet. A lot of Christians don't want the, the wait part. They're, I don't want to wait. Uh, I know. <laughs> when, oh, when you go through something like Steve's going through, it's like, okay, 32 years of waiting. Yeah. So. Which is nothing to God, 32 years. I understand. But we're in a society today of instant gratification. Yep. It's true. It's true. But. I think what Pastor's talking about is that you know sometimes the the train our training and our testing is in the wait. You know, God God will give us an answer. Um, sometimes this side of eternity. Sometimes, you know, we find out the answer maybe after eternity uh, or in eternity. But um, while Pastor's looking that up, it's It's a Psalm of Asaph, which I didn't know. I would have assumed it was a Psalm of King David, Psalm 50. But, but right before that verse 15 is some of the, is one of my favorite verses. And I had, for whatever reason, I had not put these two together, but it's stunning. The Lord is talking about, he's talking about the danger of the people thinking that, that they're giving him something and serving him in some way that he should be happy with them. So the, the problem is the people were bringing sacrifices to God and then they were thinking, Wow, look at how much God is going to like me because of my great big sacrifice. And so it was the danger of works righteousness. So they were coming to the temple and offering the sacrifices and thinking, well, now God's happy with me because I offered this great sacrifice. And the Lord says, so Psalm 50, verse 12, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> For the world is mine and all its fullness. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God the, to offer to God thanksgiving, pay your vows to the Most High, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. So what the Lord is saying is, look, it's not like I'm hungry, like I'm some sort of God of the Egyptians or God of the Hindus that has to be fed and taken care of by your sacrifices. I don't need anything from you. And in fact, if I did, if I got hungry one day, I wouldn't tell you about it. I would just go get whatever I want because the cows on a thousand hills belong to me anyway. So the Lord says, look, you're not serving me. 
That's not why you're coming to the temple. You're not serving me. I don't need anything from you. I'm serving you. So uh, offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon me in the day of trouble and I'll deliver you. So recognize that the service is not we're serving God, but rather God is serving us and delivering us. And it's not like God's in trouble and we're helping him. It's that we're in trouble and he's helping us. So that's the context. Oh, that's great. Really great. Okay. So next, um, we might want to skip it. We, we, we normally try and keep this to about an hour, Pastor. I don't know if you have a time limit, but we're only, like, like as often happens on cross defense, we're only about halfway through. <laughs> So I don't know what you're I'll, I'll say less. You keep, in fact, I'm going to get a cup of coffee and that'll give you a chance to skip five slides. Okay. That would be great. <laughs> so what wonderful promise does Jesus give on the Mount of Olives? He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then are, an e are evil, uh, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to you who ask him? So he wants us to ask. That's the whole thing. And he promises to give us certain things, such as um, in James it says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God. So that's a really good thing to ask him for. Um, that way we can hopefully not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes around. Get the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit through the scriptures. And why do we end our prayers with the amen? This is, this is good. Why, why, why do we end our prayers with the amen? Participation time. We end our prayers with the amen because basically what we're saying at that point is, yes, Lord, I truly believe that you've heard my prayers and that you'll answer them. And um, Lord, you know, bring an end to this pandemic. Amen. So we're saying, I trust that you're in charge, Lord. I trust that, that you've heard my prayer and that you'll answer it in your way, in your time. Uh, and remember Jacob wrestling with God. We talked about that when we first got started. That is, Rudy, that is Prayer is grappling a hold of God's promises. It's, it's being so, to me, so wrapped up in his word that, um, that you're focused on what he promises and not uh, something else. So moving on to the, uh, well, Jesus gives us a bunch of promises. I'll just put them up there on the screen. Uh, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Uh, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And in that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father loves you, himself loves you, because you have loved me. So he's, he wants us to ask him, he wants to give us what we ask for, but we don't just ask for anything, right? I mean, we can, we can. You can ask for anything, but the end, that's when the answer might be no. Uh, so what we might want to focus more on is when, when do we know the answer will be yes? And we know the answer will be yes when we ask for God's promises, for things that he's already promised us. So does this mean that the name, saying in Jesus' name is, is a magic formula? Well, of course not. Of course it's not a magic formula. Uh, it means to pray according to God's will. And this is something that I, I had to learn, and I've 
I've actually had plenty of discussions with other people about this because I've, I've told you guys this before. I don't know if pastors ever heard me say it, but I've had uh, been in a prayer group with people and I've said, you know, Lord, if it's your will, blah, 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 blah. And they said, you know, you just nullified your prayer by saying, if it's your will, because it shows you don't trust God. Mm. You have to ask all things and just, just assume that the answer is yes. Kind of this very charismatic kind of group. And um, I thought, wow, then what did Jesus do? He said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. You know, how do you deal with that? <laughs> how, what did they say to that? Uh, they didn't have an answer. It was kind of like one of those moments where I wasn't intending to shut them down. I was trying to have a discussion and they just were like, well, that's Jesus. <laughs> you know? Wow. I'm like, okay. And then later, years later, I don't know, five, six, seven years later, they kind of came around a little bit. I think they must have been thinking about it over, over that period of time. So then we have a very important question. How do we know what we ought to pray for? How do we know what to pray for? And I've heard pastors say this. It's like, well, pray. What's your station in life? What's your vocation? It, it should lead you to lots of prayer. Uh, but what about considering the Psalms as a prayer book? Remember, we started a study on the Psalms a while back, and then something got us off track on that. But I had Luther's um, reading the Psalms with Luther or whatever, and we were going through that. Um, but the Psalms are a prayer book and a, and a hymn book, too, right? So we should be praying through the Psalms. And, and I don't know that I was ever taught to do that. Do you teach uh, people to do that, Pastor? Yeah. I mean, how do you pray the Psalms? I mean, I, I was reading the book, Praying the Psalms with Luther, and it was like he, he read the psalm, and then somehow there was a prayer associated with it. How do you, how, how do you turn a psalm into a prayer? Well, so, the, I mean, so it, one of the things to look at when we're reading the psalms is sometimes they start as prayers. And so then we, then we just, we already have them made already. Um, so... So when you have a, well, I'm just trying to think of an example. Here's Psalm 50. Um, uh, 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 mm, mm, mm. Well, so Psalm 51, for example, have mercy on me, O God, according to your love and kindness. So we just take up the words and, and, and we pray them. Um, Turn them the into other our psalm, words, basically. What's that? Turn them into our words. Yeah, exactly. And, and I always like to just try to imagine that there's the throne of God and here I'm standing before it and, and he's hearing me pray these things. But then the other ones, we, you know, we, we see the saints as they're praying there and, 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 we, and it, it kind of cultivates our imagination because one of the problems that we have, right, is that, is that um, when we go to pray, we, we sort of have a, a list and that list is all the things that we know are wrong or broken and we'd like God's help fixing them. And that's fair enough. But the pro but one of the problems is the things that we know are broken is only half the things that are broken <laughs> is we don't realize, we don't realize everything that's broken. And so that's one of the reasons why the Lord teaches us to pray because he has to teach us the things that we need to ask for. So, like we know that we need daily bread because if we don't have daily bread, our stomach growls and we know we need the forgiveness of sins because our conscience tells us that we've sinned. 
But the Lord is going to come along and say, hey, you also need my kingdom to come and you need my will to be done and you need these things. And so the Lord is going to expose all the things that we need so that then we know all the things that we were to ask for. That's perfect. You just took us right through the next couple of slides. <laughs> yeah, um, because I, I don't think that I understood the depth of daily bread for the longest time. I thought, oh, we're just praying for the food that we have on the table or, you know, but, and instead of thinking it involves so many other things. Can we go back to the Lord's Prayer about this has been, lead us not into temptation. I know the Pope was trying to explain that some time ago. Uh, but that always bothered me too. I can't believe it doesn't make sense. Why would God lead us into temptation? What does that mean? I don't. Uh... Well, God tempts no one. We know that. Yeah. That's in the, in the confession. James tells us that. Um, well, I suppose it, it means, so we know that there's going to be trouble in life. Temptation is the trouble to sin. And so, you know, there's going to be sickness and there's going to be sorrow, but then there's going to be sin. And, and, and we don't pray, lead us not into sorrow, lead us not into suffering, lead us not into death, lead us not into trouble, because we're going to have those things, but lead us not into temptation. So let us avoid the trouble of sin. Keep, me, keep, keep us from that. So that's what we're praying for in that in that petition um wouldn't that, that make... be more like a a uh, help protect us or shield us from satan mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah lead us away from temptation i've actually had more thoughts i guess not concerns but thoughts about the um the forgive us our trespasses or forgive <laughs> others but that's a whole nother study because we're on prayer right now so um, when should we not pray if it be your will? It's an interesting question. Sometimes I, I, you know, Luther said, always ask, what does this mean? Sometimes I like to say, what does this not mean when I'm reading something? Because it can help me avoid um, heresy, hopefully. But when should we not pray if it be your will? It's an important question to ponder, guys. Um, there's times when we should, don't have to say, if it's your will, Lord. Any idea when those times would be? I make them think too hard. <laughs> well, if God has promised something, you know. By the way, Chris, they, they would all know the answer in like two seconds. If you had this Bible study at a normal time, like 9 a.m. Yes. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I didn't They'd be on top of it. 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning. <laughs> Carrie said on a Saturday morning, I said, honey, there's no difference between Saturday and any other day nowadays. You know, more. That's called dedication. Well, <laughs> I wasn't the one that started the 7 o'clock meeting. This has been going on now uh, in terms of our church and the men's group for, oh, at least 35 years, if not more. No, I'm just busting your child. It's <laughs> okay. It's okay. Um, but yeah, it, it is early. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we don't have to say if it's your will. Because God's promising. When God promises something, you just say, Lord, you promised this kind of an attitude. As opposed to, I want a million dollars if it's your will. 
when God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, that's a promise. You don't have to say, God, don't leave me or forsake me if it's your will. You don't have to say that. Um, we don't have to say if it's your will if we're praying the Psalms, things that come up in the Psalms. And other prayers in the Bible, um, except maybe the prayer of Jabez. I don't know. <laughs> um, why don't we have to do that? And I just was telling you, it's because we know these things. We know the things we're asking for are, in fact, God's will because he's told us so. Uh, there's lots of people out there that pray for all sorts of things. And, um, I mean, it's not wrong to pray for an end to coronavirus, but does God promise us that? So that's maybe a, chance, a time where we should say, if it's your will. If it be your will, Lord, bring an end to this pandemic uh, and bring it quickly. And we can ask for that. But we should say, if it be your will. So we pray, if it be your will, when we're praying God's promises. Um, now, this is, uh, I don't know. If, there's there's no, a, I, I, I want to come up. I don't have an example for this. I want to come up with an example, though, because there's a danger in praying. So if we know it's so we don't pray, for example, hallowed be thy name if it be your will because we know it's god's will that his name would be hallowed thy kingdom come if it be your will no we know it's his will to, for his kingdom to come your will be done if it be your will <laughs> so, so if we know if god has promised it and we know it's his will then we don't need to include that and but there so there's a danger in including your will be done if we know it is his will so and, and the picture is like, if I know, uh, what, if I know that Carrie wants something, that's my wife, if I know that she wants something, but then I come along and I add a question to it, then I'm saying, I don't really know what she, uh, like she says, I'd love to go out for Chinese food. And so I come along and I say, and I tell her, well, you want to go, uh, let's go get Chinese food if you want to. It, there's, some, there's some way that it kind of undermines the, the confidence that we have. So, so James says, let everyone pray with boldness, not, not wavering like a ship on the sea. So that our faith, we, so that we, we come and stand before God with this confidence of here's what God has commanded. And so I'm going to say, Lord, give me the thing that you've commanded. Give me that thing or give, give my family that thing, or give my church that thing, or give my country that thing, or give my neighbor that thing that you've promised. So that, anyway, that, I, I, I don't have it all sorted out. I, I don't wonder if that makes a little bit of sense though to you guys. Yeah, it makes sense. I, it makes me think of, of, I think, Jeremiah 29, 11, where I've heard that, I don't know how many times since the pandemic started. Uh, or is that the one where it's, no, there's another one that says, if my people will humble them, themselves yeah yeah and then i would heal their land and everybody's thinking well that's the formula we all just need to be humble uh and and pray and then god will heal our land maybe right mm -hmm. um but is it a promise for us we should humble be humble um and we should pray but is it a promise that was written down in the scriptures for us um, that's a, maybe a whole another story 
plus we have that faith that you know all things work to good to them love the lord so even if it doesn't make sense and doesn't seem fair you know his 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 wisdom's way past ours how, how dare us you know absolutely absolutely so i want to move to the next topic um i'm going to skip over uh, some of this because i don't really I, I've, I've often struggled with people in my life that do have a problem with rote prayer. They're like, our spontaneous prayers are, are better because they're from our hearts. And uh, it's like, well, then why did God give us a prayer to pray? You know, and, and um, say, when you pray, say, that kind of stuff. Pray then like this, when you pray, say. It's not, and I, you know, it could be true, but a lot of times people have said, well, this is just a pattern for prayer. Yeah, it's a pattern for prayer. If you can use the pattern in the Lord's Prayer as a way to say your your prayers from your heart, that'd be great. But you you shouldn't be a, a church, in my opinion, that says, "Well, we're never going to say the Lord's Prayer because it's a written prayer; it's a rote prayer." It's like it's in the Bible. Say it. Um, so when we're praying the petitions of the Lord's Prayer and the Psalms, we bring our requests before God with great confidence, knowing that these are the words he wants us to hear, the things he wants us to ask for, and the petitions he wants to answer. And I think that's the last slide, actually. So, mm -hmm. um, any final thoughts on that? Chris? Yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Steve. Okay. You know, when we started off with uh, this, this, uh, uh, theme on prayer, I, I, I thought about relationship and I remember, well, you know, I'm 68 and I remember some pictures that uh, I had when I was a kid around 10 years old and they were Jesus walking along with children following him and he's holding their hands and, and it, it established that, that the meaning about relationship, our personal relationship. And so, um, I was looking at uh, John 15, seven, that says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. And so it's, it's as if when we're praying, we're, 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 we're trying to be, uh, uh, you know, part of uh, Christ's life part of that walk with Christ and that personal relationship. Right. Yeah. One of the things that, that I was talking with Janet about last night um, is that sometimes we get too focused on saying the right words or the right number of words, mm -hmm. things like that. And instead of just praying to God, right. Um, you want to talk anything about that pastor about people that, that focus on too much on the, the number of words or even the number of people praying. It's like if you get 10,000 prayer warriors out there, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, we have these great promises like in Romans eight that says the spirit groans within us and words inexpressible. He prays for us. And, and we have this basic, the basic prayer, which again, that's also in Romans eight where we cry out, Abba, father, so Luther reminds us that we come before the Lord as, uh, as children come to their dear father, asking for what they need. So there's a tenderness to prayer. Jesus says, what child, what father of you would give your son a scorpion if he asked for an egg? And 
and you guys are sinners. <laughs> so I'm better than that. <laughs> so, and then, and this also, maybe this is one of the most important things. I can't remember the, if this is in the book or not, but after Jesus teaches the Lord's prayer in Luke chapter, is it 11 or 12? Right, right there in Luke chapter 12, I think. Uh, Luke 11. Luke 11. Yeah. Jesus teaches the Lord's prayer. And then he gives this, he says, uh, will not your heavenly father give the Holy spirit to all who ask? And so the basic prayer of the Christian is for the Holy spirit, Lord, give us your Holy spirit, right. uh, fill us with your spirit and, and give us wisdom. So then, and so then our prayers grow out of that. So we're always praying in the spirit, uh, in the spirit, through the son to the father, but the Holy spirit comes and, dwells in us we become his temple and so god is with us and our so our prayer is this glorious communion with him it's wonderful yeah i think you joined just after the opening prayer but i learned this from uh the guy who kind of was the uh, original teacher he was a, a church worker and uh he passed it on to me at some point but um he always used to say lord uh, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we get it all and we get it right. And I just love that. So I, I've hung on to that. I think that's pretty cool. That's great. Mm -hmm. so, let, me ask, let, let me ask a question here. Yeah, Brian, is, go ahead. Is it, is it wrong to, play, to pray directly to the Holy Spirit? No. It's, it's, not, it's rare in the scriptures and it's rare in the history of the church, but it's certainly not unheard of. And, um, uh, and because the Holy Spirit is God, then he rightly is to be worshiped and to be prayed to. So we pray, come Holy Spirit. That's that vini creator spiritus prayer that comes all the time. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your people. Um, so that's certainly acceptable and good, good practice. I've um, frequently heard it said that we pray to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is that mm -hmm. acceptable? Yeah, that's good. And, and God answers our prayer from the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit. So always in the Spirit, through the Son, to and from the Father, the source and goal. Um, but we also pray to Jesus. We pray to the Holy Spirit and we pray... There's prayers even like on Trinity Sunday, there's a beautiful old prayer that's a, a prayer addressed to the O Holy Trinity, to all three persons. Um, yeah. So that discussion on prayer actually takes us to our uh, last slide, which is our closing prayer. And I was going to ask you, Pastor, if you would do us the blessing of saying the closing prayer for us. Yeah, we're done already? Yeah, it's only been an hour and 10 minutes, so, you know. Pretty good. Wow. <laughs> That's like a TTR episode where it's like suddenly it's over. Well, I'm always <laughs> glad for that to be over, but this I'm sad about. Well, well, thank you, gentlemen, for letting me uh, crash the party here. I hope that was uh, it was fun for me. So thanks so much, and I'm honored that you're studying the book. That's a, uh, I mean, so I'm humbled and um, good one, and 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 honored for that. So that's stunning. So I'll, uh, let's, uh, we'll pray that the Lord would give us wisdom, that he would fill us with his spirit, that he would continue to hear our prayers. We, um, uh, the, uh, Amy is your Amy daughter. Is. With the, we'll pray for Amy. Yes. Mm -hmm. We'll pray for uh, Into the Plague. 
uh, with the coronavirus and anything else that we ought to include in the prayers? Uh, John, who's on the, the meeting, has uh, been having some back issues. He's a pilot, and he's been having some back issues and treatment, so we can pray for him. John's yeah. going to Hong Kong tomorrow. Oh, yeah. you're going to Hong Kong? Yeah. Wow. Is no it going to be a full plane or an empty plane? An empty plane full of cargo. Oh, well, good. It's wow. a, yeah, it's a 777-300ER. It actually holds more physical cargo than the 747 will because wow. it's 10 feet longer. Wow. So uh, pray for it. A safe trip and a, and a safe stay in Hong Kong, please. Yeah, no kidding. Well, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you for your word, which gives us life. We thank you that you've commanded us and invited us to pray, and that you promised to hear our prayers and to answer them. So we stand before you today in the name of Jesus and with great boldness, trusting that you hear our petitions. We pray for those who are in need, especially for Amy and for her bone marrow transplant, for John and for his back and for his flight tomorrow and his safety in Hong Kong. We pray that as a good heavenly father, you would give them exactly uh, what they need and what you will to their comfort and to your glory. We pray that you would send to us your Holy Spirit to live in us, that we would begin to love and serve one another, especially in this time of pandemic, that you would teach us how best to care for those who need our help. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would give strength and wisdom to the doctors and nurses and all the frontline medical personnel who are handling the sick, that you would give wisdom to those who are elected to rule, that they would do so according to your will, that you would bring an end to the scourge of the coronavirus. Especially, we, we beg you, O oh Lord, that you, would, um, that you would relent of this disease so that your people could go back to church and take up on our own lips the body and blood of your son with the joy that your promise of forgiveness is for us. Thank you for these men gathered around your word and pray that you would continue to strengthen their faith in you and their love uh, toward their neighbor. For we ask all these things through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. I feel like we should say the Lord's Prayer. That's kind of like the point in church where it's like, and then we all start saying the Our Father. So, but. We can all do that separately. Thanks, Pastor. Um, oh, my pleasure. Would I, I want to ask everybody, would anybody mind if I published this um, Bible study that we've had today on the YouTubes and let other people be blessed by it? Anybody say anything that they don't want to be out there? Nope. How about you, Pastor? Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm always fine with it. I just assume that the world's always watching. So. Yeah, exactly. So we guard our we guard our speech, for sure. Okay. Well, thank you, Pastor. And guys, uh, give me an email if you have a topic you want to talk about on Wednesday, and I'll I'll dig into the scriptures and see what I can come up with. I have a question for Pastor. Oh, okay. Oh, sure. Ready? Go has, ahead. Has anybody uh, met your challenge of 
Oh, uh, has anyone challenged me with it or seen it and uh, responded to it? I've seen it, but I didn't respond to it. Oh yeah, there's been a couple of people. Yeah, a couple of people from church said they do it too, and it's, so it's I so I got to get after it because I made the video and then I it's been a couple of days and I haven't done any memory work, so Daniel and I both have to have to kind of chomp down on that thing. Could you but, explain to the guys? I don't know the, what. Oh what yeah. The yeah. So um, Sean Denzer is the chaplain of the Missouri Synod at the International Center, and he put out a video challenging everyone to pray and to memorize Psalm ninety one. And so my son, Daniel, and I made a video where we were studying Psalm 91 together. And now I got to memorize it, but I haven't, I haven't yet. So how many lines are in it? 16 verses. Oh, that's not hard. 16 <laughs> verses. But you have to say something 25 times to memorize it, right? Oh boy. I can't memorize it. I can't wrote. I have to, I made it. I got to just, I got to understand it. And I got to love it. And then I have, and then I've got it. So I just got to keep studying, studying, studying. So. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. That's the, how it starts. Well, we should all take up that challenge. That would be great. Mm. Thank you. Very Pastor. good. Thank you, Pastor, for that. Oh, thanks, Rudy. That's great. Thank you, guys. God's peace be with you. Thank you. Come back. Yeah, thank you. I yeah, I gotta see if there's. I didn't know there was a seven o'clock on Saturday morning, but now that <laughs> well, I we know, there is one. we only get to see you in video. We don't get to see you live. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always playing your videos. <laughs> so. At least you're not driving on I-35. That's true. That's true. Well, uh, it's a lot safer to do that now because nobody else see. is. You have trouble getting to us, so. If but we, um, if we start meeting at eight o'clock, maybe you'd come back again. Well, you uh, look, you guys. Um, as if the when the write down the questions as they pile up, and I'll try to jump in. Uh, every now and again, I I I couldn't do it every week because um, then you we wouldn't get anywhere. I I come up the wheels, but uh, I'll jump back in when uh every now and again. That's I'd love to. So. I don't want to rush us. We're only on uh, our sixty-first lesson, so I don't want to rush us through the book. <laughs> But I, I also want to move on to Martyr's Faith or your new book. Um, there, I don't know. I'm, I like to share these things with the guys. So let me close this here. Can you all see? Let me see that. Uh, Pastor Wolfgang yeah. has a new book called And Take They Our Life, which is a, a, great, a great commentary on Luther's theology of martyrdom. So that's, that's, uh, uh, that's supposed to only be an hour and eight, eight minute read. <laughs> oh, really? Sure. I am nowhere near that. So wow. it takes me a while. Because I think like you're memorizing faster. What I do is I tend to slow down on every single sentence it, and kind of drill into them. So. It's not a, yeah, this is not a quick read, I don't think. Uh, it's a short read, but I don't, I don't think it's quick because you got to wrestle with all the Luther stuff. So. Yeah, well, Kindle thinks it's an hour read. So wow. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. <laughs> if y'all are looking for some uh, other things to to listen to, Pastor Rolf Miller and Pastor Gagline do a silly little show called uh, Table Talk Radio with some great uh, theology. Uh, what's what's the tagline? It's like uh, serious about theology, but not taking ourselves so seriously. Right. <laughs> That's right. It's a great. It's you got to go back and binge watch them, but then you need to be in a padded room. That's. Right. 
That's right. <laughs> Has self-medicated. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you. I'm going to uh, go ahead and end the meeting, guys. We'll talk okay. with you next week or maybe on Wednesday. That's or Wednesday, great. yeah. Do it Wednesday. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Thank you.